Tonight we're going to be taking a look at a story that most of us are familiar with. And so we're going to try to take a look at it a little differently because we are so familiar with it. But the story that we find in Mark, I mean Matthew chapter 9, about the woman healed from touching Jesus. That's all that she did was touch Jesus. But before we do that, we're going to go through some of the context in Matthew in case any of you make it to Jeopardy. Some of this information might be helpful uh, to, to uh, help you win that, that uh, particular game. Matthew wove his narrative of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection around five sections of the Messiah's teaching, each ending with the phrase, when Jesus finished or saying or telling these things. And that's Matthew 5 and 7, 10, 13, 18, and 24 and 25. Along with Luke's gospel, the book of Matthew includes the genealogy of Jesus, his birth story, and references to Old Testament prophecies. Matthew is the only gospel that includes the word church. So that's the one that probably will come up in jeopardy. It's the only one that has church in it. So we're going to take a look at uh, the main uh, story out of Matthew. Just three verses. And behold, a woman who was diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned about and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that point on. So we don't know a great deal about this woman, except the fact that she'd had a bleeding disorder, a blood disorder, for 12 years. For 12 years, she had been struggling to find health, to find peace, to find purpose and direction in her life. Because she was considered religiously unclean. Can you imagine living through your whole life and being identified as being unclean and somebody that people would avoid and not have anything to do with? That's why we did the little exercise, was to let some of you experience that perhaps, uh, what it was like to, to be uh, in a position where people might not want to have anything to do with you. Her bleeding was not associated with a natural condition. It was something unnatural. But she had been to many, many physicians, had suffered much through their attempts to heal her, but she'd also spent all of her money. She was broke. She was bankrupt. And so she only grew worse. She was broke. 
and she was desperate. Now let's think for this for a moment about this woman. What else do you think she experienced during this period of time that she was seeking to be made whole as far as feelings? What else besides being broken? Okay. Loneliness. Can you imagine 12 years without having a real conversation with another human being? What else? Depression. Depression. Hopeless. We don't know anything about her family. We don't know if she had a family. Probably not. More than likely she was just trying to get through life by herself because she was considered unclean. Misfit. Pardon? Misfit. Misfit. Fear. Fear. Since I've been thinking about it a little longer, I have some additional ones. She was in a lot of pain, physically and emotionally. She had experienced loss of relationships. Not only was she lonely, she simply didn't have a relationship with anybody else. Grief, anger, confusion, empty, Worthless, desperate. You know, as I was thinking about this uh, today, I had to ask myself, have I ever felt desperate? And as hard as I could think, I couldn't come up with a time in my life when I felt that way. Close to it, I think it's a couple of times, but not totally. And I'm not going to ask anybody here to, if you have been there, but being desperate is a uh, sad situation. It's a situation that probably, because we don't know for sure, because we can't talk to the person any longer, but that individual that takes their own life may be at the point of so desperate for the pain to be over with that they make a bad decision. And uh, it's, it's not only a decision that affects them, but it affects others. It's a selfish decision. But our author of our books made a really interesting comment about this lady's life. He said, touch was a distant memory in her childhood. Human touch. I thought, truly, how sad. 
And that, do we have people like that today? Well, I think we do. Maybe not as much in this country as around the world. I think uh, what's going on in Ukraine, that many people are desperate or they're feeling desperate as to what they need to do. Do they leave their homeland? Do they become a refugee? Or do they stand and fight without anything to fight with? It's a difficult decision. But this lady, this woman, had heard about Jesus. She had heard that he was powerful, that he could possibly heal her, because he had done that with other people. So she made an effort to try and see Jesus. But she did it very carefully. She came up from behind Jesus, and all she wanted to do was to touch him. And she felt like if she could do that, she could be healed. And the reason she went, she came from, from behind is because she was afraid that he might rebuke her if she approached him from the front. She had experienced so much of the being rebuked over her life that she was very guarded about anything she said or did. So her aim was to touch the cloak that Jesus was wearing. But all she was able to touch was the edge of it. And the edge of it is what is referred to as the fringe. And it's, uh, the fringe is a, like a, I'm not sure what, how I would describe it, but it's a twisting of different bands of cloth and they're fastened together to the four corners of a Jewish man's outer garment. And Jesus scolded the Pharisees and the Sadducees for their fringes because they'd made them super long and much more noticeable than what they were supposed to be. And he said, You're, they were doing this for only one purpose, and that's to get people to think that they're more holy and righteous than perhaps they really are. But she, that was all she was able to do, was to touch his garment. And she touched the fringe. In verse 21, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And that's what she did. Um, and this happens to be the only miracle in the Gospels where someone touched Jesus without his permission and experienced healing. The only time it happened, all the rest of the times that Jesus healed somebody, he knew about it and he gave permission and, and performed the act of healing. But what we need to realize and keep focused on is that it's Jesus that did the healing and not the fringe, not the artifact. And unfortunately, we have people and religions in our world today that value artifacts that perhaps Jesus had touched or had been around, and they think there's some power, whether it be in healing or giving them 
answers to prayer. If they'll just touch those artifacts, they'll get that power. The uh, Notre Dame had the major fire, what was about three years ago. The author was talking about how happy people were that, that certain articles that supposedly belonged to Jesus, his crown of thorns and the nail that was used in the cross, were saved because they believed that if those articles had power that they might need in some form or fashion in the future. I've read about people in other countries who have been asked to do certain things uh, to show their commitment to uh, their faith, such as uh, crawling for miles on their knees and their hands to a certain cathedral and then worshiping there. And in doing so, they were supposed to gain power and strength. That's not how God works. He works through Jesus provide healing and to provide us with the answers that we need in life. His clothing did not have the healing powers. So we know of three things that took place with, uh, uh, in this miracle. One is that the woman was healed immediately upon touching Jesus. That's exciting to know that our Lord is got that kind of power that he can heal someone immediately. They don't have to go through additional suffering and questioning and trying to figure things out in their lives. They've, they've been healed by Christ. Another detail is that both the woman and Jesus sensed something happened when she touched him. Jesus felt like power had gone out from him. She felt in her body that she was healed. Uh, and the third thing was that Jesus asked who had touched him. And his disciples kind of made light of that because the, the area where they were was crowded. And they said, well, of course someone touched you. They said, but this was a different kind of touch. And it was at that point that he wanted to know and meet the person that had touched him and that evidently healing had taken place because the power had gone out from, from him. So he encouraged this person, whoever it was, to come forward. And it took a great deal of strength, physically and mentally, for this woman to do it, because she was afraid she was about to be rebuked again. She was going to be found uh, as committing some wrong deed she didn't do it the right way. So she had fear that she was dealing with. But did, is that what Jesus did? No, his response was not one of judgment, but it was one of a blessing. He, was, he wanted to see her, and he wanted to bless her. He wanted to offer her a future. He wanted her to realize that she'd been healed not from his clothing, but from her faith, her touch, her trust in Jesus. He told the woman to take heart. 
which meant that he, uh, that what she had done uh, required boldness and courage and for her to live her life from that point on with the same boldness and courage that she had that day. And he, asked, he also asked her to go in peace. And he called her daughter and blessed her future. What an amazing Lord that we have, that he loves us that much and wants only the best for us. I wish we knew the rest of the story, that we knew exactly what happened to this woman from that point on. But one day, I guess we will. We'll find out. And uh, it'll be interesting to know that. So as you have thought about this story and been reminded about what this woman had gone through, anything come to your mind about this story that you would like to share with the group? Well, and isn't it representative of the millions and millions of people who are looking for an answer to their last hope but are looking in all the wrong places? This is like, I think, Don shared in a sermon recently, looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, looking for healing uh, can be the same thing looking in the wrong places, seeking to be healed, but not with God's assistance, God's help. Yes. Right. And that's what's a struggle for many people, is that they have expectations that are false or not realistic in coming to God for healing. They feel like they've got to do certain things. They're not worthy of God's healing. Something else is going on in their lives and they're not willing to just step out in faith for that healing. Someone over here? I think it's great when you realize and reach that point of knowing I'm a sinner. I'm just a forgiven sinner. What a difference that makes, can make in your life. Greg? I think it's, it's worth talking about and bringing up. Well, and we don't know just in getting to him what she had to go through. If she had to walk two blocks, 20 miles, but just getting to Jesus was a tremendous challenge for her, I believe. Well, I, I was not familiar with that either. And they have a special name for these fringes that I can't even begin to try and pronounce. Do what? Teasy. I will... Uh, we're going to spend just a few minutes with a discussion around your table. So at least, uh, if you'll just take, there's just two questions.
spend a few minutes discussing it in relationship to what we've already been discussing. Well, I hate to interrupt, but because it sounds like there's some really good discussion going on. But uh, Jim was giving me the, the eye. Yes. To, it's time to go, Kilo. You just turn around. Appreciate you being here tonight. And, you know, we live in interesting times, challenging times. And uh, it's difficult as Christians to know in some cases exactly what is it that we need to do. We know people need God. They need Christ. But helping them to find that way is, is the challenge. And five years ago when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, I just prayed and asked God not to necessarily heal me, but to allow me to continue to serve him as long as I possibly could. And uh, there's been some days that I was questioning myself in staying in the ministry, but God's given me the strength to go on another day. And uh, so it's been an interesting journey. Fortunately, uh, I don't know if Parkinson's comes in brands or classes or divisions, but uh, mine has been less uh, challenging than what others are experiencing. But we just have many people in our country who are suffering, not only spiritually, but physically. And uh, I want to share with you uh, words to a song that most of you, I think, are familiar with, Desperado. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one, but I know that you've got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy. She'll beat you if she's able. You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet. Now, it seems to me some fine things have been laid upon your table, but you only want the ones you can't get. Your prison, your prison is walking through the world all alone. Don't your feet get cold in the wintertime? The sky won't snow and the sun won't shine. It's hard to tell the night from the day. You're losing all your highs and lows. Ain't it funny? how the feeling goes away. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences. Open the gate. It may be raining, but there's a rainbow above you. You better let somebody love you. Let somebody love you. You better let somebody love you before it's too late. Let's pray. 
Lord, we just thank you for this day, for the opportunity to be a part of your creation, to hopefully have learned something today that you can use in our future days of serving you. Lord, we know that there are so many around us that are struggling to know what they're supposed to be doing in life and with their lives. Their lives are like riding a fence. They've got one foot in one part of the world and life and the other one in another. And you've told us we can't serve two masters, but people are trying to do that all around us. We pray for those who are struggling physically tonight, that you would give them a peace, a comfort, direction, lead them to someone who can help them in dealing with those struggles. But Lord, I think and feel strongly that there are more people who are hurting emotionally. There are many families that are hurting emotionally. And uh, the only way that this is going to change is through you and because of you. So we turn to you tonight. We trust in you. We want you to know that we need you. And Lord, thank you for loving us, for forgiving us, for your grace, your mercy. And we just pray for your power to envelop us in such a way that we can be of help to someone who needs you. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a good week.